Podboys Productions. Two movies are relevant on Brooklyn Rebound Network with your boy Pi Drew. We're back for a new episode, and it's the it's getting close to Thanksgiving, so you know we're doing some family movies today. What's going on over there, E Dash Nam Eric? Oh, you know, I'm just brimming with excitement to talk about the uh, the film of the year by by which I of course mean Marvel's Eternals, starring Kingo and Druig. We love it. Oh, they got Kingo and Druig for this one, huh? I can't believe it. Such fucking nonsense, man. You didn't really watch that, did you? I didn't, and I won't. No, me either. Even though, yeah, it has, uh, like, Jon Snow in it and Rob Stark, both from Game of It's got a great cast. Um, I mean, Chloe Zhao is a phenomenal director. Um, no Medlands, Chloe Zhao. But, yeah, you just... Nah. <laughs> You're not gonna get me to watch another one of these dog shit movies. Yeah. I don't know. I was kind of interested in, like, very nominally interested in that Shang-Chi, which is the one that came out before this one. I heard it was, like, a little bit different than than most other Marvel movies. It's, like, you know, it's kung fu and stuff, but um, I don't know if I could sit through that even. I might give that one a try. Nah. (laughs) Yeah, I know you won't. Well, anyway, uh, what have you been watching recently? Uh, other than your requisite ghost videos on YouTube, which I assume. Yeah, so I've made a I've made a big push over the months of September and October. Um, just put a lot of lines on my document, mostly horror movies. Still, some good, some bad. But yeah, I just watched the Netflix. It's like a ghost story more than a horror movie. Um, called Things Heard and Seen, uh, which stars the phenomenal. Fuck, I just forgot her name. Got this. <laughs> Oh, it's not an actor named Phenomenal. That's what it sounded like. You were really going a space in between. It's Amanda Seyfried. I'm, I'm drinking. That's uh, one of your girls, right? I thought that's. Yeah, no, she's the fucking best. She's great, except for one bit at the end where they give her just some completely flat, stupid lines to say. But you know, horror movies often have that bit where you got to sum up the whole theme of the thing, and in a way that just doesn't make any sense story-wise. Uh, but no, it's just a, it's a really like great little ghost story set in the last half of like one of those new england marriage plot novels um and it also is at times a very open homage to the shining it fucking like for a movie that i had the chance to watch all year and just kept saying nah to uh it fucking ruled it was great it was lovely a a period piece uh a period piece from from 1980 okay well you're saying like old new england style or something oh just the the new england marriage plots just like oh we met at college one of our parents is very wealthy that that kind of thing gotcha any other uh, other than seafried well maybe you wouldn't remember with your drinking but any other notable uh, names in there the guy was recognizable i'll pull it up um i did not know him from anything but i recognized him from stuff if that makes any sense and you said you had all year this was a 2020 or it came out in like march yeah yeah, interesting, because I'd never heard of that. Um, and you don't consider that a horror, even though it's a ghost. Like, what what was your differentiation there? It's a ghost story. It's not terrifying. Uh, his name is James Norton. No, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know that either. Well, anyway, so that's a wreck. I say the title again uh, one more time. Things, uh, things heard, heard and, and seen. seen. That's kind of generic, but... I guess it works for, like, something like that ghost side. Well, I've saw, uh, I went to the old theater, and so I thought maybe we would do an episode about this. Maybe we won't. I, I won't say too much about it in case we do so, but, um, the new Edgar Wright movie, uh, Last Night in Soho, which I was looking forward to, saw that at the theater, which is kind of a horror movie, a little bit. I thought it was going to be a giallo, and that's why I was kind of planning to do an episode with you, because I've been... I've been t- telling you about this Jalice for a while now, which I'm a fan of. This mm-hmm. Italian 
slashery kind of horror, yeah, proto slasher uh, movies um, that usually involve like the police and investigating things like that as well. Uh, black glove killers, all this type of thing, which it didn't really. It had some minor elements of that, but overall, it wasn't really like that. It was more of a Polanski homage in ways, I would say. We're doing homages to that guy now. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> um, I don't know, but not maybe not a direct homage, but it reminded me more of some of his films than like a, than Giallo films. Well, I don't know, but it, it basically it um, it's like a dual. It has the actor that I really like. Uh, this is the second thing I've seen her. Speaking of Nomadland, there's other movie that came out, and I think it was 2018 that I saw more recently than that that I mentioned. I think on the podcast called Leave No Trace with Ben Foster, starring Thomas Sam McKinney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the girl. That's the actress. So she was really good in that. Really popped off the screen for me. And then she's really good in this too. And Anya Taylor Joy as well, who's really. Uh, the it girl right now is good as well and it's got my girl r.i.p uh dame diana rigg and a, a nice final role for her what ended up being her final screen performance i did not realize diana rigg had died yeah i think at the beginning of around the beginning of 2021 i, I believe um something like oh that sucks yeah i mean she was old but yeah uh legend and then the tyrant stamp is in it as well is also a legendary actor I would recommend to seeing this one in the theater if you can. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Maybe not for everyone, but you know, I think it's better in the theater, like with the the sound and everything, the uh, and the soundtrack especially. Like Edgar Wright's like always on the needle drops and everything like that, and it's very sixties heavy because uh, basically the Mackenzie character is kind of obsessed with the sixties, even though she lives in modern ta- modern moves to modern day London. Not that she moves there from the past, but I mean she. At the beginning of the movie, she moves to London to go to, like, fashion school. She's really 60s-influenced, and then she has, like, a some ability to see the... There's, like, some kind of, like, psychic connection flashback thing where she's living inside of Anya Taylor-Joy's body? Kind of, yeah. So she, like, could go back to the past. She also kind of sees her dead mother sometimes, like, in the mirror. So, like, she has some type of ability like this. Shout out to the Phantom Thread. Yeah. Wait, is that something I have with the Phantom Thread? When he's sick, yeah. Okay, I forgot about that part. Speaking of which, when is Licorice Pizza? We did, a, by the way, jump over to... Christmas, by the way. Licorice Pizza comes out on Christmas? Okay. So I saw something on Twitter that was like, I just saw Licorice Pizza, like it was some, someone that works in the business or whatever, and like I guess they went to some pre-screening or something, but I was, I was like, oh wait, is it yeah. out? One of the movie podcasts I listen to, the guy is also a pretty big PTA fan, and he can't say anything about it, but is very excited to have seen it. Wait, are you telling me, Eric, there's a film Which just does me a no big good. PTA fan? I can't believe this. I know, it's weird. I'm not the only one. No, but yeah. Oh, just a shout out to the, the YouTube channel, Drew's Views, though. I've done a few, recently, a few trailer reactions, and which Eric has joined me on most of those. And um, yeah, we did the Licorice Pizza trailer breakdown kind of reaction, so... Check that out on YouTube. Also, shout out to our friend Farhad, who uh, did at least one with you. That's right. That was a TV show re- a trailer reaction. Hawkeye, speaking of our favorite Marvel. I'm a little more more willing to watch the Marvel live-action shows uh, than, than the films at this point. So I might check out Hawkeye. The trailer looks kind of okay. For my part, miss me with that dumb shit, but I enjoyed seeing you guys talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You just got to view our shit, not the real one. Exactly. This, Disney Plus ain't paying me out any money yet. Yeah, so anyway, back to last night in Soho. I, I just to recommend for me, I'm sure if you like Edgar Wright, you'll, you know, his fans will like it. It's I like the 65 myself. I'm not as obsessed as the character in this movie with it, but I definitely like that aesthetic and music, definitely. So, you know, the third act, I was maybe let down slightly. That happens a lot in the films. Overall, it was still pretty good, though. But yeah, and like I said, it was different. The story was different than I thought it was going to be in terms of like I thought it was going to be more Giallo-esque which it was not the case but it does involve some murders and things like that which is Giallo-esque I guess but you know I love a good murder more uh, supernatural or what I guess oh, I won't say anymore anyway check that one out maybe we'll talk about it more if you see it on the pod here but back to you any any other recent watches before we get into our main topic today the one movie I've watched that like really really stuck in my gullet um in a good way which I guess sounds more sexual than I meant for it too yeah, it was this indie horror that came out early this year, but it's been doing festivals. This guy just made on his own. Just like as a, like, please hire me for a thing. These are, I can do all of the jobs 
that making a movie requires. Uh, it's this really great indie horror movie called Sator. Ah, right. You told me about this. That I've definitely recommended to you, and I assume you haven't watched because it's hard to find. Well, you said I should watch it. My girlfriend is, likes horror, and she does like horror choreography, actually, like dance choreography. But um, Nice. But... I don't know if she'll want to, but yeah, I'll, I'll at least watch it at some point. Yeah, say to uh, but you had what you were telling me. Uh, you were uh, giving a rave about it to me, yeah, off mic recently. But you didn't. Um, I don't think you told me about this. What you just said that he did it all. The guy did it all himself. Like, like so he did all the cinematography, writing, editing, all everything. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, from what I can tell, based on um, there are two interviews that I've listened to him do, and I've read some little reviews on it. It didn't get, like, a ton of press. Like, I didn't know that it exists until I was going through, like, the Metacritic top 200 movies this year because I was bored one week. And this, this, top 200, wow. This great horror movie came out this year, and uh, nobody told me about it. But then, like, I watched it. I'm super obsessed with it. It gives extreme Blair Witch atmosphere of dread, looking for something that's just off camera, and it's 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 coming toward you, and you know it. Lost in the woods with the encroaching darkness uh, thing. It is a really, really powerful experience to feel like you're trapped in the woods with this character. Woods cheap to film in as well, of course, so that makes sense. Is it found footage, though, like Blair Witch or whatever? Uh, no, no. Uh, the uh, okay. camera's omniscient. Cool, cool. Yeah, so Sator, right? S-A-T-O-R? Yeah. Big recommend. People need to check that one out, too. Do you remember the man's name offhand? Uh, no, but we should say it. Uh, shout it out, yeah, look it up. Uh, di- written and directed by Jordan Graham. Jordan Graham, okay. Shout out to him. See what he does next. So, today, like I said at the beginning, Thanksgiving season, family time. What better to do than get into a couple body horror picks over here? I mean, I guess maybe this these the films we picked would be more appropriate for, what, when's Mother's Day in May? Uh, yes. But whatever, we're doing it now. As we've been doing on the show more recently, picking a recent film and pairing it with an older classic or quote-unquote classic. And uh, so today we're talking Titan. Is that how we, how you say the, the name, by the way? I, th- uh, I think it is. Titane. Titane? Is that... Uh, you, you just kind of let the E hang there as if you were going to say it, but you, but don't. It's French is funny. But it's tit, like Titan. Titane. Titan, Yeah. Like the Grand Teton Mountains. Okay, Teton from France, uh, yeah, like Eric just said, by uh, the director Julie, I believe writer and director Julie de Corna, I think is how you say her name. Well, that's how I think that'll, you say it at least. That'll do. Okay, that'll do. who was making waves with this one. I believe it won at Cannes. It did win the Palme d'Or. Or whatever that I, the Palme d'Or, right. I was a fan of her film from, I believe it's 2016, I, I believe debut film, which is called Raw which is uh, also another body horror film. And I would have to say, based on the two films I've seen by her thus far, she has to be influenced by David Cronenberg. A bit. If not directly, then it has to be by other people that were influenced by him. I can't see it. It's a pretty straight line to me. So with that being said, I decided to pair up and make you watch The Brood, Cronenberg's, I think would be considered his first kind of classic film from 1979. He had a couple films before that i've seen a couple of them which i liked as well but uh this is the first one people talk about usually in his filmography chronologically canadian low budget ish film that has a couple big name british actors in it but um yeah so we'll we'll be talking both of those let's get right into it what i i texted with you only briefly about this i don't exactly know i know you had some questions about titan I might just say Titan. Say it. About Titan. But did you actually enjoy this film, Eric? Go. Um, I fucking love Titana. Uh, yeah, it, it's wonderful. It's another one that just like, oh, that's an interesting movie that I couldn't quite get my brain around. And then the gears never stop turning. And you just keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And there, there's, a, there's a lot to chew on. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because even during the film, my, my brain's turning like, where is this going? Like, what the hell? You, you know, it's like one of those ones where you really don't know what's going to happen next. And have you seen Raw, by the way? I believe that I've seen Raw. It's it, it also sounds like an experience that you wouldn't forget. So maybe I haven't. But um, it's possible that I saw it while I was, like, drunk or high or something and didn't, like, commit it to memory. It's without spoiling that one. That one goes more, again, it is body horror. It goes more in the vein of, like, cannibalism, I'll say, without spoiling too much. 
Uh-huh. And it is in French. Yeah, yeah. Both, yeah, she's French to Cornell. And they're French-language movies for sure, yeah. So I think I've seen it. I, I think I've seen it. It was on Netflix. Back to Titan, though, or Titane. Well, I don't, well, we'll get into spoilers, I guess, in a couple minutes here, but um, like we like to do. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, not for everyone, I would say. <laughs> Way more so than last night in Soho. It's got some gross-out stuff for sure. It's very... I mean, the lead actress gets quite... I, also, I looked it up, and this is her only movie she's ever done. <laughs> she gets, right, right. She's actually a model. She's great. She's, like, topless, like, probably third of the movie if not more i would say also doing a lot of gross stuff yeah it takes a lot of twists and turns where it, it almost feels like three different movies like mesh into one at some point or like it very much does yeah it's like one type of movie for a while then it's a different type then a different type the, the lead character is not likable uh at all <laughs> not a good person uh to say the least but at the same time there is like some humanity in the film like with some of the other characters a little bit well there's quite a bit of humanity like even without spoiling anything the the i mean the the film goes out of its way to make her like impossible to root for and you are it's it's by the end right i don't know if i would say that i mean i'm i was rooting for the story to continue and to keep like see where it goes i wasn't necessarily rooting for her to succeed Mm -hmm. with whatever she was doing that was me but what else can we talk about about this without spoiling i mean it's shot like the corner seems like a great director like shot very well everything like that yeah yeah yeah. if you're a if you're a shots person the composition of these shots is you know tip top aces yeah it did actually also remind me of which makes sense because this is cronenberg jr david's son we talked about this movie a little bit uh we didn't do a whole episode on it but but possessor which came out last year we touched on a little bit yeah It definitely had some similar vibes to that in parts, I thought. And especially with the graphic nature of both the films and some body horror elements to you, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess if you don't mind seeing certain things, if you're not faint of heart when watching a film, like a film you've probably never seen anything really like before, yeah, I would check uh, this one out. Right. It's not a horror movie. There are no, like, jump scares or anything. Um, but there is a lot of just, like disturbing image there are a lot of disturbing images it's pretty like the the body horror exactly it's just it's it's fucking gross a lot of the time um and it's designed to make you feel uncomfortable at times but i mean if you can get through it it's a i mean light your hair on fire it's 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 great so spoiler wise i mean like i said about how you don't know what's happening next so that that's kind of why we like it that's why why it's good a lot of but it's also got substance too it's not just like shocking to shock you i guess quite a bit of substance yeah so the character is a serial killer i guess that (laughs) has gets pregnant from a car having sex with a car due to her killing nature she has to go uh, or she boshes like a and in a very darkly comical scene uh she she thinks she was gonna kill this girl but then doesn't realize the girl is three roommates that she has to then kill is not able to get to the last one who gets away and then she has to go to go high into hiding which she does by pretending to be the de- uh, the the missing presumed dead probably uh, son of a firefighter and that's the plot that's the movie so it's crazy plot uh yeah it's insane it's just like 35 minutes of like narrowly avoiding a sexual assault by murdering a guy and then just like she's fucking a car like magical realism with whether it's a metaphor or whatever like however you want to feel about what that means or or connotes she's fucking a car <laughs> and is impregnated by that car it's so fucking grotesque and weird i mean she's into cars oh i guess the the movie opens where she's in a car accident and, and has to get metal plate in her head i don't know if that's implying why she turns into a serial killer because i think a lot of serial killers have right had brain injuries that last in their scene she's still a- yeah that last scene where she's still a child she's like rubbing the part of her head where the metal plate is like against a car in the parking lot yeah she's like, like starts kissing, kissing the car, her parents yeah. car yeah. so she's in the cars now from now on from that so i guess this 
is like crash in a way too the the Cronenberg crash. I didn't even think about that till now, but that is car sex car uh-huh. stuff. So that makes sense. So yeah, she is. Well, then she like goes to these car shows and she's like I guess kind of known by people. Like she has fans for doing these like sexual dances on the car. Yeah, some one of her fans whatever tries to kind of get with her and she kills him with a like a I would say a chapstick, but no, it's like a needle. Like, but how people it's, yeah, it's like a like long ass knitting needle that she is using as a hairpin that yeah, she repeatedly needles. murders people with by stabbing them in the ear. So at first you're like, oh, did she just kill this guy who's maybe gonna do something? That's right before she fucks the car also. But then it's, like, revealed, oh, she's uh, killed more people. And then the, the girl she kills didn't do anything wrong to her. She just, like, literally just wants to kill her, it seems like. Or right. And I that really felt like, like the whole point of the first part of the movie, right? Like, she's not meant to be a part of human society, right? She's, uh, she she yeah. meets that girl just, like, in the, like, weird fucking showers at that car show. Um, yeah, she gets her, like hair, her hair stuck, stuck in stuck. the... Or the girl's hair... Yep. Or no, her hair stuck... Wait, whose hair is... One of their hair gets, she gets stuck in like her hair a... stuck in uh, the the other dancer's nipple piercing. Yeah, is right, the thing. Right, and then like later, after she kills the guy and then goes back to shower uh, to get the murder off of her, ends up fucking the car. And then just like it, it, it just like cuts forward to like we see her basically on a date, like about to be hooking up with this girl. And it seems like she's really giving it a real go. Just like I could have a human relationship with this borderline stranger but it's weird and she's weird and you can you, you, you can just see it fall apart in very rapid and, and somewhat grotesque fashion she's like trying to bite out the uh one of the piercings from from this poor girl's body uh and then just like okay i gave it a fair shot i not meant for this society and uh i do have to murder her and everyone in her house it's insane for the first 40 minutes it's a completely different movie from what it becomes and it's super like grotesque the way that some of these murders go down she like curb stomps a guy with a stool basically yeah she gets a stool in his mouth and starts slamming down yeah it's like not pleasant to watch that part was very possessor reminiscent actually yeah yeah quite a bit well yes when she kills um ned stark yeah but he doesn't die actually i remember <laughs> and that yeah, one yeah. spoilers for possessor sorry if you haven't seen it yeah so then then she has to go, and then it's the part, yeah, where she has to go into hiding or whatever. Also, her parents, she lives with two, and, like, they don't really... Like, her dad knows she's weird or, like, doesn't like her or whatever, clearly. Right. She's got, like, a total shit father, and, like, not in, like, a, any kind of, a, like, abusive way. He's just like, oh, sucks to be your son or daughter. I guess. I mean, I would say, like, maybe the way she You're acts. useless I, I could kind of see maybe why it would be like this now at this point, but... um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess he's trying to ignore it in the opening scene, too, when she's a kid, and that causes the accident. That Well, we don't see their parents again anyway in the film, because she pretends to be... Yeah, she goes and pretends to be this. So what's the idea that they, sh- they the kid was missing when he was seven, and then they have like a picture of what they think he'll look like 10 years later, if he's still alive, 17? And it, like she like, gets this like in her head that she could kind of look like that if she shaves her head? Yeah. Also, she's like 30, probably, or something. Like like a 30 year old woman. But so she shaves her head, yeah. And then another very gruesome scene tries to break her nose. Which, why did she do that? Uh, I know to disguise from what what she looks like, but did the kid's nose look like that in the picture? I don't even know. um, I don't know. Uh, I think it was probably just. I assumed when I was watching it that it was just to not look like herself. Yeah. Yeah, because they have a picture of her up as a suspect or whatever, that's right. But yeah, that scene goes on too long and is upsetting. Like, first she's punching herself and then... No, I mean, I just... I, I mean, at that point, I just... I'm getting caught and going to prison. That's not like... No part of my face is touching a bathroom sink repeatedly. Oh, that's the part you don't like, just touching the bathroom sink? Not that you just well, smacking no, your I mean, head. Like the... it, it, it is the pain. <laughs> I, I just now begin to consider the germs. <laughs> yeah, so that's gruesome... The, so this whole part kind of remind. Have you ever seen this documentary? Damn, I wish I could remember what it's called. It probably came out six, seven years ago. It was basically about a guy, also like an adult, ostensibly guy who pretended to be this missing kid for this family, even though he didn't. It was like a Texas family, and this guy like did not even have an American accent. He had like a Russian accent, basically, or something. It was an old Polish woman. I didn't see that documentary, um, but uh, 
someone we both know has described this to me uh, in ex- extreme detail uh, to the point extreme. where I never. Well, it's something different, I think, I Eric, because I'm I'm certain the one I'm talking about wasn't like an old woman. He was he was trying to be like someone's son. Okay. Okay. I don't know. There's multiple documentaries like this, or is it a is it a non-documentary you're thinking of? What was described to me was basically the plot of that movie Orphan, um, where like an old lady who just seems to be a child. Who, who just appears to be a child, got herself adopted. Yeah, that's something different. But that sounds interesting, too. This documentary is more in line with a little... It's why I was reminded of it in this film, because, like, the family, like, must kind of know this isn't their son, but they just go with it and, like, bring him back into the family, you know, this, like, weird Russian guy or whatever. Which is exactly what happens here. Basically, yeah. Except that in the real-life thing that happened, it was, like, a whole family, if I remember correctly. And this is just this guy who's, like you know suicidal basically um he's like very out of it he's a fire captain but you know his life got ruined essentially it seems like over his son going missing 10 years ago he's giving steroids which is also darkly funny <laughs> and he can't it doesn't like work for him anymore and he like he has her <laughs> to like inject him and stuff right yeah but that's where some more of the humanity comes in with this character and the people like his other firefighters i guess or the one guy uh, initially is like, oh, I'm happy for you, your son's back. But then there's problems with that guy because like, he realizes what's going on and wants to stop it but can't or whatever. That bit with the, with the other firefighter, the like younger guy, is so... I don't know, I think it's kind of perfect that it's completely unresolved, right? Because first, the guy's like, sure, actually happy, uh, wonderful, uh, nobody, nobody talks shit, I'm here to... Uh, Brown knows the chief by making sure that everybody, you know, keeps... Because other guys are um, talking shit about him, too, or whatever, about the, the son. Like, name out of their mouth, like the... <laughs> no questions asked. But then, he, at one point, he says, can you not feel the energy between you and me? This is too weird. Um, and, and, like, wants her to, like, come clean then. But, like, what energy? <laughs> they don't interact. And then completely dropping that it starts to seem like he's just jealous that the like because he wanted to be the chief's like surrogate son um and and like the and adrian uh the new character that this psychopath is playing is butting in on that but none of it gets resolved like the character's just there to be a shit stirrer and like well i mean what the resolution is spoiler that like she (laughs) dies giving birth to this car baby so I mean, I don't know what there is to resolve. I mean, I guess if the baby lives and the chief is going to raise it, then will the guy be jealous of this baby? Probably not. I don't know. So I don't know if it's... Yeah, you're kind of right there. It's a little bit of a hanging thread, but I think it's more... The characters are more there to have, like, a, an actual real kind of person, how what someone would react to, like, what's going on here when these other characters are, like, delu- the guy's delusional and the girl's, like, obviously a complete sociopath, psychopath. So... He is, like, jealous at first, I think, that because the guy's giving him his son, quote-unquote son, these tasks that he should be doing. Which, also, what the hell? Like, it, I don't know if things are different in France, but you can't just, like, have your son just start working as a firefighter with you with no training, right? Or no, like, credentials or whatever, right? Can you? I, I don't know. I was thinking about that. And on another... On another podcast that I listened to, one of the reviewers said just just said just like yeah, but he's a fire chief. He probably knows someone. That I mean, it's the same situation. Like, uh, I can make pretty much anything happen municipally because I'm important to this town. Presumably off camera, I paid somebody or just handshake deal with somebody, and I don't need to sign any paperwork or do any DNA testing. This is my son. I'm taking him home. Well, that party, that's explained because he like refuses the DNA test. So that that's that part's explained. Yeah, I guess with how crazy this movie is, that does not really that important at all. Well, and all, yeah, I was gonna say, I was about to say, uh, this this movie presents so much other insane shit as just like this happened. It can be a metaphor if you want it to be a metaphor, but in the story that I'm telling, this just happened. So deal with that how you want. <laughs> Uh, if we're if we're touching on some magical realism and some elements here, I guess the least of our worries would be how he she Alexia just gets to have a job at the fire station. Yeah, and then so oh well, also we didn't really say, but like another gross thing and crazy thing is like how she's also literally because she's like getting pretty pregnant at this point, so she's, she's literally quite pregnant. She's literally like every morning wrapping this thing around her tits and and like pregnant belly to like 
tampa down like the a sound medical gauze thing yeah this yeah sound design on this oh my god it's so gruesome and then it's just like there's just it's like every time you see her bare-chested and appearing feminine uh because we should say she passes pretty well i mean guy yeah with like, the broken nose there's a way that this could be read as like a like a, a metaphor for like a trans coming out story um she passes really well but like every time she appears feminine we see her pregnant belly and like her like distended like pregnancy breasts it, they, they're all like scarred up and bruised and shit like her whole body is completely fucked from binding it as it just like grows and grows yeah the metal car stuff is like coming as starting to like come out of her body basically like through cracks and stuff i think right yeah, it is really uh, grotesque the way that the human body is presented in some of these scenes. It's so weird, too, because even toward the beginning of the film, it's almost, like, sexy, though. Like, she's dancing, and she's, like, not bad-looking. She's a little androgynous, but, like, she's, like... No, she's, at the like, beginning, she's, like, super yeah. hot, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's the it's, whole like, point, right? it definitely takes you on that. I kind of remember Raw being a little similar in that regard. But, yeah, this one is... It's definitely saying stuff about you. I don't know about specifically, like, coming out something as trans or something, but... Because I, I think it's a little too murky for that. But it's definitely saying, um, touching on gender stuff, especially as it relates to, like, the modern day, I think. Like, what yeah. can be what and all this sort of thing. It certainly can be read that way to the point where, like, if enough of us are reading it that way, then, like, let's just start saying it is. But it doesn't go out of its way to say, hey, this is what this is all a metaphor for, or this is what this particular metaphor uh, in my soup of metaphor is about. It's just, like... Yeah, uh, I made a movie. This movie is about, like, uh, finding family in unlikely places and fucked up people doing fucked up things at times. Uh, and go for it. Get what you will out of it. I know what I meant, uh, but I'm not telling you. Just very, um, I don't know, very French of them. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to see what she does next uh, decor now. If she stays on the body horror stuff, I, I would be surprised if she didn't, I guess. But, like, if, there's, if it's, like, some... <laughs> Like Jane Austen style movie next or something that'd be a big left turn, but uh, no. I'd but I'd like to see. I would be interested to. See, I don't know. I don't know if this would ruin the appeal of these films in some way or not be as good. But I'm almost thinking like see like a big American or you know English speaking cast like English film or whatever, uh, English language film from her or something. Might be cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the acting's great. I mean, the guy we already said the um, we should look up what her name is. But yeah, it was their only film role so far. Uh, the main character. That actress's name is uh, Agat Roussel. Okay, do you have the whole cast there? What's the, the firefighter's name then? Vincent Linden. Yeah, he is great. He was reminding me of some other actor, but I can't think of who it is now. I think just... He looks like the guy from Law & Order. Oh, yes, Chris, uh, Christopher Marlon. Yeah, that's who it is. Uh, but no, I mean, he's great as the emotional heart of this movie. There's a way in which you can read that he knows the whole fucking time uh, that, that, like, this is not my son. My son is dead. But the way they clash at first and, and, and the way you begin to see the, the tenderness in, like, that he feels for this, like, random person who was, like, saving his life by just being there even though you're not my son Adrian um, is, like, really the core of the last half, like, hour and a half. And uh, he's really, like, moving. There, I mean, there's that part where he's like, whoever you are, you are my son. Which yeah, is another, yeah, like... he admits to the audience, at least into her, like, he knows it's not. At first, I think he's so delusional that he might have convinced himself that it really is, but then... It becomes, too, yeah, it becomes... It becomes too much, at, even at for a delusional person. At where you're thinking it becomes obvious, um... You kind of start to assume that he knows. And he brings in that, his ex-wife, who's, like, the mother, you know, of Adrian, who, like, also just goes along with it, like, alright, just take care of this guy, like, whatever, you know? Well, she finds out, and if this were, like, a British novel, like, she would tell him, and more hijinks would ensue from there. But she's just, like, really bitchy about it, but what she says is, I'm not gonna say shit, he needs this. Yeah. Yeah, like, telling him wouldn't do anything anyway, really, so she knows that. So, yeah, I don't know anything else to discuss, and I don't want to take too much time, we gotta talk a little of the brood, too. But, uh, yeah, anything else to say about Titan? Uh, no, just deeply recommend this. It's really, really clever blending of the high and the low. Like I said earlier, a fucking metaphor stew, and uh, you can take pretty much anything you want out of it, and um, it seems a bit daunting while you're watching it, and then it just becomes, like, super rewarding to have seen. I love it. I love it so much. Okay, and what, so, let me ask this to you then, actually. Some films are great, but, like, they're like, I can only watch that once, like, I'm never watching it again. Is this one of those for you, or would you go back to this one? I probably would see this again. Especially now that I know, like, what really fucked up shit is coming. It's like, uh, the same horror movie never really scares you the same way, um, as a kid. 
a second time, you know? Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I'm think, trying to think about that for myself. I probably would. I would maybe want to... I'm glad I watched this alone the first time around, but maybe if I was going to watch it again like with someone who hadn't seen it to really like, yeah, surprise them or something. Uh, you have well, to pick the right just, person. But. Yeah. It, it's not like pulpy. There is so much in it. It is so literary like i I, i'd love to go back to this in a year you know all right well let's check back in a year and see if you did but for now i think you need to get to your uh psychoplasmics therapy appointment right 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 uh my last therapist stopped uh stopped doing talk therapy and she only wants to treat with psychoplasmics now um so instead of finding a new therapist i just followed her into the woods yeah well you do have some anger issues from time to time so i think this is probably for the best you want those to come out and some, some things from your, some bumps on your arm and body, right? That, uh, that aren't going to turn into little dwarf children, people. Not and unless murder. you feed them after midnight or get them what? Yeah, because then they'll murder your child's uh, a preschool teacher. Very unfortunate. Now, of course, we're talking about The Brood from 1979. We, we touched on it already. Cronenberg. So, I'll say, did you like this one? I already know that she kind of didn't you implied right or what was the thing you said about if you're uh, a kid back then watching it it would have rocked my shit if i were 13 year old in 1979 it just the effects weren't phenomenal the body horror in it like i kind of wish you'd given me video drum so i could finally tackle that one i know this is like one of the more highly touted cronenberg movies but the little the the children in the carnival mask it's not scary it's like they're barely hitting the people that they're murdering it's uh after the very first time when they're like crouching on the ceiling and beat someone to death with a hammer it's it's really it's not scary at all and even the grotesqueries are like the effects are so Eh, that it, it's not that grotesque simply because the movie is 42 years old yeah well also apart from that i mean it is like i said low budget canadian film so which a lot of cronenberg's films certainly his early ones are so you have to take that into consideration as well and like we kind of said i mean it's not it's a body horror again so it's not like i mean there's a little more in this than titan that's like scares or whatever i guess that could be uh it's maybe more creepy with the little kid things uh, or dwarfs, but yeah, I see what you're saying. I prefer Videodrome to this myself, but... Um, I'd love to see Videodrome. We are the new flesh. Yeah, well, you should watch it, but I mean, you could see why I picked this one because to pair because the motherhood stuff, you know, and those obvious themes, giving birth to crazy stuff, you know, so it was pretty, mm-hmm. it, it was pretty hand-in-hand. Hand. I felt like we had to do it that way. And also, I'll confess, I only rewatched the last half hour to prepare for this i so it's been a couple years since i've seen the whole film but it's not one of my favorites either of cronenberg necessarily i think it has some good ideas in it but maybe that just aren't completely done right uh not right necessarily but uh, yeah i mean with the low budget and everything and i don't know i like the idea of it more maybe than execution i guess is what i'm saying because i do think there's something there with this like the concept of birthing these things and like that's acting out as like your rage for you basically and then something to note i guess is that cronenberg had just gone through like a bitter divorce right before making this film that much is clear to me he he can feel it coming in the air tonight yeah it's pretty right on the uh right there on the film i mean the husband character kind of main character guy is kind of like just a generic kind of guy like i'm the good guy my evil wife ex-wife is uh, <laughs> causing all this trouble for me and my child and all this stuff so uh-huh. so that stuff's a little a obvious trippy. but it's also pinning this on like my my first thought which was once again that like if i'd been 13 in 1979 this movie would like have blown my mind there's the culty thing and it occurs to me cults were an actual thing in america in 1979 and probably until like the mid 90s i'd say uh, well, they're still uh, around. There's the whole Nexium thing that was in recent years and stuff. But um, but there definitely was more danger of losing one of your loved ones to an actual cult uh, back then. So, like, the, the, the fear around that, the tension, uh, the dread around that was kind of baked in at the time in a way that I just, like, did not feel this time, you know? And, like, all, a lot of that psychology for, like, blaming uh, a lot of your, like, psychological failings and issues, not failings, but, it like, things that you need to begin working on, on, like, childhood trauma and, like, the, 
the failures of your parents to uh, be around for you, if not genuinely new, was definitely new in the popular conscience, uh, uh, like new were at, at least 42 years ago. Uh, and I can see like a lot of this being fresh and interesting at the time in a way that it just isn't now. Yeah, I could see that. I did like some of that stuff though. I mean, it's like, yeah, some of the characters, like especially the one guy who's like upset what's her name samantha agar or the, the character is getting like all the the tree men instead of him or like getting all the attention and stuff and like freaking out and all that some of that stuff is good i thought oliver reed is a good performance in this i think who is oliver reed in this the dad the, uh, the doctor the doctor the, British, the, the, British, the creepy yeah, doctor with the british accent yeah yeah he's great in this i i really really liked him i was gonna bring this up eventually and i might as well say it now recasting this movie in 2021 who plays the doctor? So you have an answer you're thinking of and you're seeing it. Oh, I have an answer. I just want to hear yours first. Huh. I mean, what they would do is like try to cast like Oscar Isaac or something, but who would be good in the role? I've got the perfect answer, and when you don't hit it and I have to tell you, it's going to blow your mind. I guess, what's his name? Albert, um, why am I blanking on the damn it? A Dr. Octopus. Actor. Albert Molina. Alfred, Alfred Molina, yeah. That's yeah, good yeah. to see him. Okay, okay. Yeah. Are you ready for the real answer, the correct answer? Yeah, give me the real one. Javier Bardem. Oh, okay. You got Dune on the brain. No, no, no. I mean, maybe I do. I guess I do. I said Oscar Isaac <laughs> as well. So, but... he, he, he does menacing so well, which for a long time the Doctor is, and then he like he also does weirdly, yeah, you're right. you know, triangularly soft very well, uh, which the Doctor does at the very end. Plus, everyone's talking to their daddy and mommy and he's very good at saying things like mommy's been very bad as he famously did in uh, skyfall no the answer is javier Bardem. yeah no i i'm with you i i could see that i like it i think um you're right if they did remake this i think kind of like what i was saying about the main dad character they probably need to change that around a little bit make it the less obvious divorce thing and give him some kind of i don't know there needs to be something yeah. interesting in there um, divorce court at least in the like online circles of like people whose journalism and or tweets i read divorce courts kind of become a joke now so we probably what are these journals you're reading about this what are you talking about oh the new england journal of medicine obviously oh yeah i didn't know you're caught up on that oliver reed is good and he's also he was like a crazy alcoholic in real life and like just a like, wild man apparently he got I was reading in the Wikipedia and stuff of this film. This was Canadian, obviously. Uh, so some of him and Samantha Edgar were like two well-known British actors. That's like pretty much what they spent their budget on, I would assume. And he got like arrested for like streaking in like whatever Canada, like getting drunk and like running around naked in town or something during the filming of this movie. Amazing. <laughs> so i think there is some good stuff still though like i think there's some pretty good shots in this it's a little creepy to me the the, the little dwarf guys and like the scene i think is good or the shot is good i, I like of um the two dwarfs on either side of her walking down like the street and like the cars passing not thinking anything of it and like and they're all wearing a different like primary color jumpsuit snowsuit kind of thing i thought that was a good looking shot i remembered it from the first time watching really to me, that gave me, like, the original Omen, where just the idea that a kid was evil was the was the whole thing. And, like, I saw that movie after I'd seen a bunch of movies, and, like, nothing's happening in that movie. Like, the, yeah. the idea that a dog is going to kill you um, because an evil child told him to, uh, the, uh, the idea that an evil child's just presence can get you to, like, cut your eyes out or whatever else happens in that movie, it's all for you, Damien. Um, but, like, that movie's not scary. Well, what I, the scene I'm talking about, I'm not saying it's scary, necessarily. But also, I don't think it's, like, the omen. I mean, it's not the kid. Um, the kid's not evil in this. Like, the daughter. I mean, whatever's going to happen on that. We'll, well, she's know. not. But, you know, like, there's a But those aren't kids. Like, like, the little dwarf things aren't real kids. Like, they're, like... I mean, they're you know. child-sized. Yeah, I guess. I, I, yeah, I could find that creepy. And, like, it is kind of shocking to see, like, um, like, a broad daylight scene in, like, a preschool with, like the teacher getting just bludgeoned to death in, in front of like all the kids and stuff okay so that, but there is genuinely no way that the amount of force that they were hitting yeah you are mad about that toy hammers could have hurt her at all like i'm saying i i, I would have washed those those fucking child-sized gremlins in like 0.5 seconds if that's if that's all the power they had with those hammers there's no way 
Uh, yeah. Well, I guess you're just so taken by surprise at what's going on. I don't know. You gotta get some movie. You gotta go with it. I don't know. Just suspend your disbelief about these little hammering uh, dwarf things that came out of a woman's uh, body. Yeah. It's... <laughs> they came out of her external uterus. Yeah. I did, so the effects were okay in some part. Like, at the end, the kind of effects with, like, the thing, I thought it looks pretty good. The, the uh, what do you call it? Placenta thing, whatever, that's, like, on her. She starts licking it and stuff. I mean, that's... It was sufficiently gross, yeah. Yeah. It didn't look, like, fake to me, though. It looked, like, real-ish. Yeah. yeah, and it's got this, like, very tactile, just, like, it, it's pulsing, and it's different, looks textured. You could definitely see, like, these Cronenbergs laying the groundwork for things like the fly and stuff like that, where, yeah, some of this uh -huh. stuff's gonna come in. Yeah, I think it's more, to me, I know some people regard this as, like, a great classic. Uh, obviously, we don't, um, but I, I could see... Well, I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad, either. I yeah. just, like, I'd have liked to have maybe watched a different Cronenberg movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's an interesting artifact, I think. Also, what yeah. I saw on Wikipedia, some uh, legendary film critics did not like this film. Both Roger Ebert and Leonard Maltin rated it like their lowest rating and hated it. <laughs> really, so, really. Yeah. But anyway, uh, like I said, it's definitely a cult film now, and it's uh, there's a lot of people that like it a lot. Yeah, I do think at the time it's more shocking, certainly. you It might hit, hit different whether you're 13 or not back then, but just back then in general, I guess. Yeah, I genuinely think so. What was the one you wanted to watch? Scanners or Videodrome, you said, right? Videodrome. I've been interested in seeing Videodrome. It's on my list, and I, I, I've just never put it on. Yeah. Uh, definitely a great performance in that one by our, our boy. Uh, uh, what's his name, Joe? Uh, fucking crazy dude. Uh, James Woods. James Woods. Yeah. Ooh. What do I know him from? Oh, he's in a ton of stuff, but he's, like, crazy on Twitter now, like, big right-wing, like, psycho. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. He's very, like, slimy kind of guy. I mean, that's why he's good in a lot of movies. He's, like, a, he, he does a great role in Casino, where he's, like, the Sharon Stone's, like, ex-guy. Yes, who's, like, yes, yeah. okay. He, I just watched the film fairly recently, Salvador, which is pretty good. Oliver Stone film. Odd Boys he's, Productions. He's great in that. Yeah. He's like a weaselly, he's a great, a great like weaselly guy performance, because I, I think that's mm -hmm. how, how he is in real life. <laughs> so anyway. He's in Stuart Little too. so. I haven't caught that one, but uh, it, does uh, Michael J. Fox play Stuart Little? Is that, is that what I remember about that? Uh, yes, yes. And and Stuart Little dresses like um, Marty McFly and skateboards around, is that something? Yes. Also, also maybe I know more about this about. for for not having seen it, but I guess the previews or whatever. He is Stuart in one of those little uh, swan, uh, those little like paper boats in like Central Park, riding it yes. riding it around like a real boat. That's pretty good 100%. gag. I gotta give it up to him for that one. Not what this is about. Not what we're here to discuss. But can I just talk to you about the year that James Woods had in two thousand one? Let's get into it. Yeah, we're basically about done with this body horror stuff right now. Yeah, check out the Brood if you haven't seen it. Especially if you're a film buff, I do think it's one that should should be on your seeing it list. And of course, we loved it, Titan. Yeah, what, which year for a Woods here are we going into? In 2001, and I'm going in order, James Wood appeared as the voice of a character named Benedict in a movie called Recess, colon, Spools Out. I think Recess was a Disney Channel cartoon. I have seen that. Oh, real quick on this. Recess was definitely a favorite of my family's growing up. My dad actually okay. liked that one. Which he, he, my dad was not a type to like watch a lot of kid shows or anything. He wouldn't usually like sit down and watch cartoons with us. But for some reason, he really liked that one. Well, not for some reason. It's actually a really good show. It's kind of like I watched a couple episodes on Disney Plus this past year, nostalgically. But it holds up. It's like a, like if you're an adult, you could get some something out of it too. They do a lot of like kind of film parodies actually in it and stuff like that. Uh, that might go over kids' heads, but adults would like. And I do remember we went and saw that film, I guess, in 2001. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Don't All remember right. That. Personal connection. We're bringing it home. <laughs> yeah. Titan style. So after that, he's, he appears in an episode of Clerks, the TV series, as a character <laughs> major. I also, the, the animated series, right? Uh, I think so. I definitely also had the DVD of that. Man, 
Goddamn. So from there, he appears as General Heim, uh, again, voice only, in Final Fantasy, colon, The Spirits Within. That he is Father McFeely in Scary Movie 2. Okay, he is yeah. Mr. Leonard D'Onofrio in Writing in Cars with Boys. Haven't seen that one. He's some something called Race to Space he is also in, and he appears in a children's video called Mickey's House of Villains as Hades from Hercules. Oh, yeah, because he's the, in Hercules, the animated film Hercules, he's like the, the villain Hades. Yeah, he does the voice, that's right. So he did one TV movie in 2000, and then in 2001, he appears in like seven fucking getting, random uh, things. I think that Hercules, Hades role got him into voice acting, maybe, and he started doing a lot. Yeah. Must be, must be. Uh, All right. Well, glad glad we unearthed that bit of trivia. Yeah, 2001 Woods. Wow. He was mad at the time about who's, uh, well, I guess he was happy at that time with Bush and whatever. Anyway. That's going to do it for our yeah, our body horror Thanksgiving episode. Definitely pull up Titan uh, with your family after. Here's what you do. Eat a big old turkey dinner like people like to do on Thanksgiving. Make sure you gorge yourself. If you're, if you're feeling full, it's Thanksgiving. Get another round. You know, Make sure you've got the pie going. Get a big old slice of pie. And sit down in front of the TV with the family. The Cowboys probably lost, so turn that off or, you know, whatever. Throw on Titan with your pie. I'm sure it's a great family activity for for all. Yeah. Don't send the kids fun to bed. Fun for the whole family. Absolutely. You know what else else is fun, Eric? A couple of things come to mind. One is checking out my YouTube channel, Drew's Views, which you've been appearing on. We already touched on the trailers a little bit, but... You've been appearing on regularly, uh, every Monday, in fact, with uh, Anna Monday. Uh, this uh, time around, uh, every Monday I react to an anime episode, and I do one series at a time. Currently doing a show from the 90s called Revolutionary Girl Utena. Is James Woods showing up in the English dub? Who's to say? I wouldn't put it past him at this point. The answer but is probably <laughs> probably who would he be playing i don't there's not really i don't see a character type for him yet we're only uh, 15 episodes in so anyway we're watching the japanese sub title uh, japanese audio with su- english subs check that out and my other videos there but definitely another good thing to do is to subscribe to brooklyn rebound network here if you're not already you'll keep getting these movies based episodes with me and eric you'll get some episodes i do on nba basketball with my boy nam and other random comedy uh, pods and all type of stuff coming out. So definitely stay subscribed or get subscribed. And uh, that's going to about do it uh, for us this time, Eric. I don't know what we're going to tackle next. I mean, it'll be Christmas-ish season, December. Next time, we'll have to see what's An out. this Hallmark movie episode. That's right. Yeah, forget about uh, licorice pizza. Who cares about that? We're, we're doing Hallmark stuff next time. So stay tuned to hear us discuss Boyfriends of Christmas Past. Yeah, so we'll be talking probably, well, I don't know, Melissa Joan Hart next time, something like that. We'll get all into it. But until then, we're up out of here. Peace. When I show you the darkness inside of me. Not.